Matthew 23, verse 27 to 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like the whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but in the inside are full of bones of the dead and all kinds of filth. So you also on the outside look righteous to others, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Well, in that uh, wonderful movie, The Wizard of Oz, uh, Dorothy, the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Cowardly Lion uh, return to the great and powerful Oz holding in their arms the broomstick from the Wicked Witch of the West. That was payment that they were supposed to make to the wizard for the various quests. The Scarecrow wanting a heart, the, or uh, uh, a brain, the Tin Man wanting uh, a heart, the Cowardly Lion wanting uh, courage, and of course Dorothy simply wanting to go home. But uh, when they return, it is the wizard who reneges on that promise, saying the great Oz has spoken, and it leaves the gang there with Dorothy incredulous. But just then, it is little Toto who walks over to the side, pulls back the curtain, and exposes the great Oz for what he is, a meek and mild-mannered man and a very bad wizard. Well, if you look around the room today, you can look to your left. You can really look to your left. You can look to your right, look to, behind you, look at me. You are going to see folks who look like great and powerful Oz's. Robust Presbyterians in good spiritual condition. And yet, if I could pull back the curtain to your hearts, what would I find? Are you the same person on the inside as you are on the outside? Well, that is the question that Jesus poses and addresses to the church in Sardis. Now, of the four churches that we have looked at so far, Sardis happens to be the first church that receives absolutely no positive affirmation from the Lord. Jesus does not have one single good thing to say about them. And so in his letter, Jesus shows us that outward appearances can be deceiving because what you see may not actually be really going on inside. And so I invite you to join me as we look at now the fifth of the seven churches in Revelation. We're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a name of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is on the point of death. For I have not found your works perfect in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Obey it and repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. Yet to you, you have, yet you have a, still a few persons in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. If you conquer... You will be clothed like them in white robes, and I will not blot your name out of the book of life. I will confess your name before my Father and before his angels. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> 
Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. Gracious God, uh, we do uh, yearn here for a deep and, uh, and rich life in you. That's what we want. That's what we need. Uh, we yearn because we desire and want and need something that goes beyond our, our mere outward appearance. And so we pray that the very power of your Holy Spirit would be in the midst of your people right here in this room and those watching wherever they may be. As a church, we want to be more than just big and busy. We want to be faithful and authentic disciples. So come now, shine your life, your light, and your love upon these, your words today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, by all outward appearances, Sardis was a vibrant, healthy church. In uh, today's terms, it would be a mega church, pushing all the right buttons, like having these uh, church growth seminars in which people would fly in from all over the country to see and discover about a church that seems to be doing everything right. And as I read just a few minutes ago, did you notice that there's no mention of any heresy, no Jezebels, no Nicolaitans who are kind of creating friction within the church? There's no mention of any sexual scandals. And after last week, aren't you happy about that? In fact, as you pulled in your car in front of Sardis Presbyterian, what you heard was a satisfying purr of a well-oiled machine. This would be a church with the tallest steeple. This would be a church that had the biggest budget. This would be a church that had world-class pastors, state-of-the-art facilities, would have a brand-new pipe organ, a 75-member choir, a full praise team with all kinds of instruments, an orchestra of brass and woodwinds and strings. But Jesus Christ says to them, you have a name literally meaning a reputation for being alive, but you, you, are dead. Jesus says, you look like a happy, successful church, but in your heart, where it really matters, you're as dead as a doornail. You are as spiritually dry as the Sahara Desert. In other words, Sardis had flatlined in their life of faith. Reminds me of a comic strip that I saw in which minister was performing a wedding and he had the bride and the groom before him and it was a time of the service where they were supposed to exchange vows with one another and the minister had to tell the groom a young man it's I do not whatever <laughs> how many of us how many of us have created a reputation of being righteous church-going people but you know in our hearts where it really, where it really matters it, it hardly makes a difference. How many of us uh, talk a mean game of Jesus, but the reality is we haven't spent any time in prayer. We haven't looked at his word. How many of us give our money, not because we want to, but because we feel like we have to? Well, there's a word for that in the Bible. It's not necessarily a good word. It's the word hypocrite. In fact, it's a word that was used in the Greek theaters for the masks that was worn by actors in their plays. 
You heard Seth read earlier from Matthew's gospel. Woe to you hypocrites, Jesus says. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. On the outside, you appear as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy. Jesus did not have kind words for people who were faking it, who were pretending to be something they were not. I think I may have shared this story with you before, but it's just so fits with today. The story of a pastor who was uh, celebrating communion in his church one Sunday morning. Now, they celebrated communion, which we're going to do in a little bit, by having the elders distribute the trays, which we're going to do it that way today as well, with little individual communion cups. And then those uh, trays would go down the rows, and the people would partake of the cup. Now, in that church, once they finished partaking of the cup, they put the empty cup right back in the tray. And then when the tray was empty, the elder or the deacon serving that communion that Sunday morning would come back down the aisle to the front and would be met by another a leader of the church who would hand them another tray full with communion cups. Well, on this particular Sunday morning, there was a rookie elder serving communion. And this elder went to his uh, designated post wound up with a, a, a passed the, the, the cups down the row, wound up with a tray of empty cups, but there were still more people to serve in his uh, area. And so he went back down the aisle to the front and then was at the communion table. Well, they kind of got backed up there in the lounge, in the sacristy where they were preparing communion. And so he had to wait there with his tray of empty communion cups. This rookie elder, began to become very nervous and his hands began to tremble and those empty cups within the tray began to rattle. Well, the pastor who's behind the communion table is watching all of this and he felt like he needed to put that elder at ease. And so he leaned across the communion table, smiled and then winked at him and in a whisper said, it's okay, fake it. And that elder Totally, Mr. says, oh, and before the pastor could reach across the table and grab him, he went back up the aisle, went to the place where he had finished serving, took his empty tray of communion cups, gave it to a lady on the end of the aisle, and said, bake it. <laughs> and would you believe that lady, bless her heart, took an empty communion cup and went. <laughs> and then she gave it to her husband and said, bake it. And this pastor nearly had a coronary as he watched all these people faking their way through communion on that Sunday morning. Now, can you imagine in this high and holy moment of a worship service when our hearts should most closely connect to God that we would fake it for appearance sake? Well, I have good news for you. The good news is this. What comes out of our lives does not have to be perfect just real, real. I think there's so many Christians, too many Christians, that walk around with this misperception that God expects us to be perfect. And that's one of the reasons why we fake it. That's one of the reasons why we, we put up a facade or want to portray an image that we have it all perfectly put together. 
says in verse 2 in Revelation chapter 3, I have not found your works to be perfect in the eyes of God. And so, friends, God does not, does not expect perfection from us. We just think he does, and so we do all that we can to prop up our name, our image, and our reputation. Now, I am someone who can relate to that. It is not easy being a PK, a preacher's kid. And even though, as I kind of think back and reflect back on when my kids were growing up, I don't believe, I hope not, I don't believe that I put any undue pressure on them. Although, as I think about it, there probably was some unspoken pressure, or, or it may have been subtle, it may have been covert. But I, I'm sure that my three kids at one time or another felt a little bit of pressure being a preacher's kid. And I didn't always handle it the best. But you know what? <laughs> Neither did they. For example, when my daughter Julia was a teenager, one time she dropped her cell phone on the ground and it cracked the screen. And even though she had this very expensive otter box case, it was not on the phone when that phone hit the ground. Don't get me started on that one. <laughs> but you know, amen. <laughs> but you know, a teenager without a cell phone is like Armageddon. It's the end of the world. So Daddy and Julia hopped in the car and we drove to the Apple store because we want to get our cell phone repaired. But we found out from the Apple store that they don't repair them. You just get a, a new one for a rather hefty price, may I add. And so they bring out this shiny new phone, which is exactly the same one that Julia dropped on the ground. Then it came time to pay the tab. Julia looks at me, I look at Julia. Julia looks at me, I look at Julia. And as a dad, I said, well, don't look at me. I didn't drop the phone on the ground. And here I am in the middle of this Apple store having a teenager melt down in front of me, and we're having this tete-a-tete -tete on who is going to foot the bill for my daughter's cell phone. <laughs> well, you know how that went, by the way. <laughs> I almost lost my religion at that moment. <laughs> so if God doesn't expect perfection, then what does God expect from us? What's the opposite of hypocrisy? It's authenticity. God wants the outside of our lives to be consistent with the inside. What you see is what you get. Our, our walk should match our talk. A few years ago on the Today Show, uh, Katie Kirk was interviewing Billy Graham. I think he had just written a book. And as the interview was wrapping up, she said, Dr. Graham, how would you like to be remembered? How would you like to be remembered? And Billy Graham paused and then he said, that I was faithful to God and that I was faithful to that which he called me to do. That I was faithful to God and that I was faithful to that which he called me to do. That's real. That's authentic. You say, oh, well, John, that's, that's Billy Graham. That, that's about as perfect a Christian as you can get. God, God does not seek perfection. Even if that were possible, right? And, and Jesus has already supplied our perfection through his death on the cross in atonement for our sins. 
So what, God, what does God desire? God desires a heart full of authenticity, a faith of integrity that is as real as the pew right now that you're sitting on. Now the problem, getting back to Sardis for just a moment, is that they were not being real. They were all sizzle and no steak. They were all show and no go. And so Jesus Christ sends them this letter. And twice, once in verse 2 and once in verse 3, Jesus says, wake up. He says, you had better wake up. And, and the word wake up, just so you know, had a special meaning to the people of Sardis because of events in their history. Listen to this. 700 years earlier, Sardis had been one of the greatest cities around, but not anymore. Why? Because they didn't wake up. Sardis is a city on top of a 1,500-foot high ridge overlooking the Hermes Valley somewhere in central Turkey. And there's this sheer rock face leading up to Sardis that's on three sides, three out of four sides. It seems inaccessible. It seems impregnable. One time, Persia decided to lay siege to Sardis. This is in 546 BC. And King Croesus, the king of Sardis, huh, he wasn't worried one bit. He says, hey, we're way up here. Those uh, Persians are way down there. We don't have to worry about them getting to us up here. King of Persia offers a reward to any soldiers who can find their way up to Sardis. Well, there was a young soldier named Herodotus. He was studying battle plans. And he noticed that there were cracks in the rocks going up to Sardis. So one night he led a band of soldiers all dressed in black, sort of like a Rambo movie. They climbed up through those cracks and they conquered the city of Sardis while the people slept. If that wasn't bad enough, 300 years after that, the exact th same thing happens, only this time it's Antiochus the Great under cover of darkness with a band of soldiers all dressed in black they conquered the city of Sardis while the people slept. And so Jesus Christ sort of wants to reawaken these painful memories from these people's history. He says, you had better wake up. You're still up there in Sleeping Beauty's castle. And if you don't wake up, disaster is going to strike you again. So, friends, is Jesus Christ asking you to wake up this morning? Could it be that he's asking you to wake up to the very reason why you're a part of this church, why you're here? I love the comment made by the old evangelist Billy Sunday who once said, being in church on Sunday does not make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. <laughs> our, our walk must match our talk. So what we do here on Sunday should be in line with what happens Monday to Saturday. Now, Chestnut Level Presbyterian, you are a wonderful church. We have beautiful buildings. We've got great music. We've got a variety of programs. And you are such impressive people. And it would be really easy to come here week after week after week for all the wrong reasons, to meet the wonderful people, to sit in the beautiful facility, to listen to the music, or because occasionally, from time to time, the minister may tickle your ear. But if that's the case, you're coming for the wrong reasons, and you better wake up.
because Jesus Christ wants us coming for him. In his book titled Reverse Thunder, the Presbyterian pastor, author, Eugene Peterson, talking about the seven churches in Revelation, wrote this. None of these churches that had been in existence for more than 50 years, um, none of them uh, had been around for more than half a century, and already, he says, they were in decline. Think about that. Churches 50 years old, and already, they're spiraling and decaying downward. Now, you want to know what that tells me? tells me that as the church, as this church, we need to be in the continuing business of spiritual renewal. It tells me that we can't ever grow complacent or satisfied with who we are, what our church is, or what it used to be. We need to keep striving. We need to keep growing. We need to keep moving forward. We need to figure out ways, yes, especially in these challenging times, to offer the love of Jesus Christ in Creative, new, exciting, and fresh ways. I'll close with this. It's the wonderful words that come from the Shorter Catechism, which is one of our Presbyterian Church's uh, book of confessions. It's the first question. The question is, what's the chief end of man? What's the chief end of humanity? What's the chief goal? And the answer comes, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. God forbid that we here at Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church would ever be Rip Van Winkle in Sleeping Beauty's castle. Instead, listen to what Jesus says. Wake up. Strengthen what you have. Remember what you received and heard. Obey and, and repent. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, uh, there are some uh, among us that our tongues are hanging out. We probably feel a lot like the hamster on the wheel, running around endlessly in our mindless pursuit of staying busy and at least looking on the outside like we're productive. Some of us are driven by perfectionism and, yes, even self-righteousness, and so we fake it to hide what we don't want people to really see. Oh God, speak to the sardis that is in each of us, that we might examine our own hearts before you and let you supply the grace which more than makes up for our shortcomings and imperfections. We pray that you would purge the impurities from our hearts, help us to be honest with who we are, to live with integrity and authenticity so that we may abide in Christ and he in us forever and ever. It's the glory of Jesus Christ that we pray these things. Amen.